0: Thank you. Get myself sorted. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You could be seated. Wow. So good to be at C3 Church Roselle. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're amazing. Wow, it's awesome. I was here, I don't know, maybe 18 months ago. Uh, sharing my story, right? I shared my story of uh, how God healed my spine after 15 years of being in chronic pain. You know, I just love Jesus Christ. Who loves Jesus? And I'm so passionate about him. And um, I have the greatest honor on earth, as do you, to be a representative of Jesus Christ every day of my life, but also traveling around Australia on the weekend, sharing my story. Because who knows, your story is for his glory. Right, right. So you know, it's incredible to be able to do what I do, and I and I am so grateful. And I believe that those who have been forgiven of much love much. And uh, here I am, being forgiven of much. I, you know just had such a horrific upbringing myself. I grew up with two alcoholic parents. Uh, It wasn't a great head start. And, um, you know, I I had this dream in my heart when I was just eight years old to represent Australia in the the, the diving at the Olympics. And I got to represent Australia at the World Diving Championships when I was just 11 years old. Can you imagine how short I was at 11? Unbelievable. (laughs) Right? This is me with heels on, five foot nothing. But, you know, it was great. I got to carry the Australian flag and there was it was just such a great privilege to to be on that world stage. But, you know what I've learned over these last years is that the greatest, greatest uh, honour that I have is to carry a flag for Jesus Christ. You know, I don't get to uh, represent Australia because uh, what happened was I had a diving accident off the 10 metre tower when I was 14 years old that changed my life. And took me out of my most beloved sport. I was totally in love with diving. It was like a loss of the the love, you know, the love of your life. It was like losing a relationship and it broke my heart. And more than the pain in my spine was the pain in my heart that I carried around this broken dream. And if you like, I had no vision and no purpose for 15 years solid, and basically just, you know. What I did was just gravitated towards pain relief, which for me was drugs and alcohol and boys and things that, you know, I wasn't really accustomed to. I went from being like an elite sports person to this very wild child who was just trying to medicate and trying to suffocate that pain that I felt in my heart every single day. I I was like, if I can't dive, I don't want to do anything. And so I was just broken. And who knows that, you know, addicted people are not bad people. They're just broken people. They're just people with broken hearts trying to medicate and that was me for 15 years until someone invited me to church and uh, I, I flew all the way to New York City to, to hunt this friend down because I knew she had something that I needed and she had she had Jesus. At that time, I didn't know she had Jesus, but I would have called it just like a wisdom or something that I was saw in her eyes. And you know, Christians, I really think we underestimate Jesus that we carry inside of us. I think people can see him in you, you know, and if you stare at them long enough, you'll, <laughs> <laughs> you'll come out at them. You know, he comes out with love and mercy. And uh, I wanted to talk about love and mercy today our series. What happened, just to finish off that story, is that someone invited me to church And uh, I would have been one of those people you looked at and thought, she will never get saved. (laughs) She is never, right? She is, I was a wild child. My nickname was the podium queen. You know, I used to like dancing a lot. And uh, sometimes with clothes on, sometimes not. But, you know, I was just a bit, you know, I was just totally out there. I was just into life, excitement. I had no regard, no respect for life or myself. Because, you know, I just thought, well, I'm just on this earth to pretty much, you know, have a, have a wild ride and get to the end. And who cares how I get there? Uh, didn't know anything about God and until this one girl invited me to church. And I heard the good news for the first time. Well, I couldn't believe how simple and powerful the gospel was. That I didn't have to do anything to receive salvation. That I just had to believe I just had to believe that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, and that he forgave all my sin, and that he was going to give me a brand new clean slate and wipe away all my sin, and you can imagine how much I had, you know, accomplished in 15 years of being a wild party animal, I mean, I had, just didn't have one page, I had pages and pages of sin, you know, because I'm an evangelist, I'm passionate about everything I do, so I was working for the other side, you know, follow me, follow me, you know, take these drugs, you know, I was was dealing drugs, I was doing all these crazy things, right, but I was literally dragging a whole lot of people down the wrong road, Praise God he got a hold of me. And now I drag people down the right road, you know. Now I tell them the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came not to condemn, not to judge, but to forgive, to wipe your slate clean, to, to give you a gift of eternal life, which doesn't require anything but faith. Wow. It is pretty I'm in love with the gospel. I'm in love with the good news and, you know, I can't just, I just can't shut up about it. I mean, I'm like the woman at the well. You know, she had an encounter with God and she ran into the community and told everyone, come, come, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And it's just a bit like, I love the woman at the well. She's the one I want to meet when I go to heaven. Where is the woman at the well? You know, because I talk about her wherever I go. I love her because she's a passionate soul winner. She's a passionate evangelist. She doesn't care what people think. She just wants to get the good news into people's lives. She just goes in there, tells the community, come see Jesus, and in the end, it said that the whole town got saved. You know, they were there, they heard her story, but they said, we no longer believe because of what you said, now we've heard for ourselves. We've got to get people into a position where they can hear for themselves. We are the messengers, we're the representatives of Jesus Christ, we're all ministers of reconciliation, correct? You are a minister, it tells me in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 20, that we're all... All ministers of reconciliation say, I'm a, "I'm a minister of reconciliation." That means you want to introduce people to God. Okay, that's what reconciliation is. You know, it's like you know, uh, Mary meet God, God meet Mary. You know, and you're the party host. You just want to give out invitations. As many invitations to heaven as possible. You know, isn't that good? Good news. On Thursday, I lost one of my best friends to cancer. Um, I'll try and hold it together. But you know what? The greatest gift was to watch my friend pass from death to life. And heaven became such a reality. And I watched... My friend was diagnosed in March. This year. And... Um, God had spoken to me, because I said, you know, God, do you want me to stand here for a miracle for this, for my friend, or what's going to happen? And I really felt in my heart that God was going to take her home early. I really felt like it was her timing, and so I like to say that cancer didn't rob her of her life, it was her destiny to go on Thursday at 5 a.m. She took her you know, God knows every breath we have, every heartbeat, and you can't go until that last heartbeat beats And I watched my friend battle this cancer and, you know, she got to a point where she was so excited about going home. She was so excited about what she could leave behind as a legacy and what she could do with just... You know, the small amount that she had, and she started to write her will and bless all these people and everything. But this woman was an evangelist, a soul winner. She was the Christians Against Poverty Center Manager at C3 Church Ride. Her name's Gail Sinclair. She's an absolute legend, and I want to honor the, her today. And I also just want to dedicate this sermon to her because if there's anyone I can think about that has arms wide open to the community and to her friends and to strangers, it was Gail. And uh, at Christians Against Poverty, I guess what happened is as uh, centre managers, you know, starting to go out into people's homes and listening to their stories about how they got into debt, you know, it wasn't just about, like Ward said, it wasn't just about social justice. It wasn't just about meeting people's practical needs. It was also attaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to it because ultimately we wanted that person to be born again and saved and have the greatest gift that we could ever give them, which is eternal life. Amen? Right. Me and Gail met in the training (laughs) seven and a half years ago. And uh, as evangelists on the front line together, we served and just person after person, we made a decision that we would never go and see a client without sharing the good news. We would never see a client without praying for them, without actually giving them the gospel. And uh, you know, Gail led 94 people to Christ, one on one. Amen. Right? 94. And um, and you know, she that was only through Cap. There was a whole other bunch of people that would just walk through C3 Church Rides doors to get a food hamper, should lead them to the Lord too. I mean, there wasn't one week in the last seven and a half years, not one week where Gail Sinclair did not share the good news and lead somebody across the line out of hell and into heaven. So why don't we give her a round of applause. Thank you, God. Just love her. I just love her. But do you know what? We can do that. We're on earth. She's in heaven. You know, I'm looking up at her this week going, well, tell me what it's like. You know, can you just give me a little glimpse, a little clue, a little word? What's it like? And, uh, you know, I just felt that she was shining brightly and grinning down at me saying, don't worry about me. I'm here. You're there. Get on with it. You know, and she's just, I know she's cheering us on. She's um, saying, look, you've got limited time. You've got limited time here on earth because who knows Jesus Christ is coming back to get his bride. He's coming back. You see, the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the answer for the world. The church is the place with arms wide open, doors wide open for people to walk through and find salvation just like me 20 years ago. Where would I be if the church's arms weren't wide open, you know. I wanted to talk just briefly today about the three areas I believe that our kindness can affect community. It can affect our family. It can affect our friends. The kindness of God. I want to look at this scripture in Titus. I found it is so amazing. Can you bring that up? It's Titus 3 and it's verse 3. It's up there. Awesome. At one time we were, we two were foolish Disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you, I want you to stress these things so that those who, have trust, who, who, who you have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Amen. What an incredible scripture. So what my point is, is that when we experience God's kindness through his mercy, that kindness to our community, to our family and to our friends should just be an overflow of that gratefulness. It should be just a part of our lifestyle to be an evangelist. It's, it's like do the work of the evangelist. You know, not everybody's called to stand in the office of evangelist, but everybody's called to do the work of the evangelist. What's an evangelist? You know, in the middle of the word evangelist is the word angel. Wow. Angels bring good news. Wow. Amen. Yeah. Angels bring a deposit of God, right? They bring heaven to earth, right? So everybody here, I'm, I'm calling you all angels. I know you're not. I know you're not. But I'm calling you all angels. I'm prophesying that you're all angelic, right? Now, our job here on earth is to bring good news to people. It's going to take some boldness. It's going to take some work. It's going to hurt sometimes, right? But this is what we do because we love Christ. I don't know, you know, how you cannot tell someone the good news. I mean, like I said, it hit me in the face this week. That heaven is a reality. Heaven is a place. Some days we go, take me now. (laughs) Take me now. But you know, he won't take you now because he's got a job for you. He's got a calling for you. He wants to use the gifting inside of you to reach out to somebody else. You see, there's like way over maybe 200 people in heaven today because Gail Sinclair got outside of herself. And even when she didn't feel like it, and even when she was in a bad mood, she would tell the good news and lead someone to Christ. Amen. You know, and it's just about knowing that responsibility, you know, and it's not, it's not because of law, it's because of grace that we hold this responsibility. We want to share that grace with people. It's not because we have to do it. It's because we want to do it. You know, it's like you can't lose weight if you have to do it. You have to want to do it. You know, it's that shift in your, in your, in your mind. And for me, I just have committed my life to handing out invitations. Just hand them out. It's not your responsibility what if they say no. But just tell them anyway. Like, this is Gail's words. Do you know what she'd say to you today? Have a go. Have a go. Just have a go. Tell somebody what your hope is. Why do you hope? Why do do you know you're going to heaven and just, you know, dig deep? But, you know, pay it forward. Pay forward the hope that you have. Pay it forward into someone else's life. One of the things I'm uh, involved in at Oxford Falls is C3 Cares. Is it's, to, it's uh, We put on a hot meal for the community once a month and we just invite anyone and everybody to come. And, uh, you know, and the meal op- is opened up. Arm- we open our arms to the community. We just say, come on in, anybody and everybody. And what we found, we're in Narrabeen, what we found is all the undesirables. <laughs> I love them. I love them. I am just so attracted to people that are really broken and hurting because that was me. And I just know why they're broken and hurting. Something went wrong. And so I just want to investigate and find out, dig, dig a little deeper into how I can help that person. So, you know, like I tell the team, just walk around with a hashtag, hashtag how can I help you? You know, how can you help someone? Sometimes it's just praying a prayer for them, saying having empathy, wearing a smile, You know, just being there for somebody to listen. You know, one of the most powerful things you can do, I learnt this at Christians Against Poverty, is to sit and listen. If you sit and listen to someone, they feel loved instantly because they just vomited everything on you. Now they don't have the vomit on them, it's on you, right? They felt, oh, the burden's off. I told someone. And with them telling you, they get their own answer especially women, right? That's how we talk. We talk it out. We get the answer. And so if you can be just there as a set of ears, you know, I say, this series is arms wide open, arms wide open, but ears wide open. Ears wide open, eyes wide open. If we can have our eyes wide open for who's hurting, we can have our ears open to actually sit, serve, and listen, and our arms wide open to touch and pray and help and not be frightened by the undesirables, then I'm telling you that C3 Church Roselle is going to see a mighty harvest. I'm telling you, yeah, I believe it. I believe you are poised, in position for a great harvest. I believe this is a new day for C3 Church Roselle. The old is gone, the new has come. I believe that the old clothes are gone and God's putting new clothes upon you. But you know what it takes, church, is, is unity as one body together all focused, all our hearts, our arms wide open together, our doors wide open together, but it's literally going to take every single believer here, sitting here, to have their own encounter with Christ, their own encounter with God, so they're so full of joy, so full of gratefulness that they can't shut up about Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Right. It's true. Some scriptures that I, I was looking at was, you know, the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, and verse 25, 37. I won't go to, I'll just briefly go over the story. But, you know, the Good Samaritan, the um, there was a man, he got robbed, he was bleeding, he was stripped, he was naked on the side of the road. And and the, and it said that the, the, that the priest walked past on the other side. You know, I believe that priest went out of his way to get out of, to get to not see it. He saw it, but he pretended he didn't. And then the Levite came and he saw it too and it said he crossed over on the other side. You know, it'd be too embarrassing to walk straight past him, wouldn't it? And then the person that stopped, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan stopped and helped the man himself. It said what he did was that he immediately looked after his wound. He bandaged his wound. He poured oil and wine on his wound. And what that was, was that he was reaching, he was touching his immediate need. He was touching his immediate need, and then he was going to look at the long-term need, which was the guy needed to stay in a hotel for a couple of days. This guy was going to pay for the hotel and said to the innkeeper, anything else that costs you after that, I'll pay for that as well. So what I'm saying, church, is that it does cost us. To have arms wide open, to have ears and eyes wide open, it costs us something. But it's the greatest cost. It's the greatest investment that you'll ever make into someone else's life, because you know what it'll lead to? Eternal life. And a little bit of discomfort for us here on earth to go out of our way to actually, you know, it says in the, it says about the Good Samaritan that he picked him up and put him on his own donkey. What I'm saying to you is that sometimes we're going to have to pick someone up and put them in our own car and bring them to church, bring them to somewhere where they will hear the good news, where they will experience Jesus Christ themselves, right? Where they hear for themselves. But we're the bringers. We're the gospel bringers. We're the bringers physically of, of being so passionate. You know, I, if, if the friend that brought me to Jesus wasn't so passionate about getting me to church that morning, I'm not sure I'd go. I was fighting and struggling with everything in me, but she just basically told me we're going. She said, pack two outfits I said, two outfits? She said, yeah, we've got the morning service and the night service and we can't come back. So you pack some swimmers as well. We'll be going out for lunch. I mean, she had the whole day organized, you know. But I'm telling you, that day changed my life because she was so dogged about getting me to where I would hear the gospel. I want to encourage you, church, to be to be passionate, to be one-eyed, to be just so intent about changing one person's life. And you know, we're not here to change the world, but all of us, if all of us could reach one person, mate, we'd have revival just here in C3 Church Roselle. We could double this church, right, by next year, if just one, if you just talked and prayed and believed for one person in your world. Acts of kindness are so powerful. Kindness has the power to soften hearts. It has the power to open a hard heart. You know, you've heard that saying, "Kill them with kindness. (laughs) My mum always told me that: "Kill them with kindness, Nicola." I'm like, "Oh, it's a bit of a weird thing to get your head around, you know." But it actually works, doesn't it? It actually works. If someone's being mean to you and you're kind to them, you just disempower them; they just fall apart. And um, you know, we're called to love our enemies. Amen. I oh, love that scripture. <laughs> Whew, let's embrace that. Love your enemies. You know, um, there was a time I lost my my dad in 2011, and and uh, you know, he was, he was not a believer at all. He was very anti-Christ, anti-God. And, um, and my stepmother did not let me have a relationship with my father out of jealousy and um, just being threatened by me and my sister in terms of money and the will. She cut us out of our father's life. For 20 years, I didn't see my dad. And if I'd ring up my dad, which I never stopped trying, i ring up my dad, and she would always answer the phone, I'd go, hello, she she smash, bang, she would hang up, as soon as she heard my voice, I wasn't allowed to visit the property where my dad lived, I wasn't allowed to have conversation with him, and you know, over the years, I was a bit mad at her, and uh, I remember when my dad passed away in 2011, and I sat in the car outside the gym, and I just had this moment of grief, you know, grief comes like a wave, <laughs> it hits you in the back of the head sometimes, and I was sitting there, and I had this, just this full-on grief. It's like, I couldn't believe that I have two beautiful sons, right? I'm a single mom. I have two beautiful sons. They're 11 and 12. And back then, you know, there was like maybe eight or nine or whatever. But my youngest is so joyful and gorgeous, right? And I was just having this thought that my dad never met him. Just what, how robbed I felt. It's like, how can my dad be on this earth and never have seen his grandsons? Because a woman was threatened. And I was angry. And I remember, though, before before my dad died, you see, I, had led, I didn't lead him to Christ, but I gave him the tools to get there. Because I said to dad, do you want to know about Jesus? And he said, no. I said, wrong answer, dad. I said, well, let's just say you did. Let's just pretend for a minute that you did want to know Jesus? Would, would you know how? And he said, no. I said, here's my opening. Do you want me to tell you, dad? He said, no. I was just dying. I'm not gone like that duck, you know, paddling underwater furiously. God, help me here. This was the last time I was going to see my dad. I knew it. And I said, dad, at the end of your days, you're going to face death. You're going to face God, and you're going to have a choice to believe in him or not, will you do it for me? And he said, yes. (laughs) Amen. I said to God, did you see that mustard seed? Did you see it? Did you see it? I offered it up to God. I just offered it up to God. I said, and the the Lord reminded me that it only takes a mustard seed of faith. And I was like, oh my goodness, God's mercy hit me in the face that my father could be... That's my time, I see, to be quiet soon. So my father didn't believe his whole life, but if he was going to say yes to Jesus at the end of his life, that God was going to save him because of God's great mercy, well, I was just overwhelmed with God's mercy for the next couple of days and just unbelievable. And so when I sat in that car angry with my stepmother... The the Lord said to me, well, you know that mercy that you're so overwhelmed by, you know, I even painted a painting called Mercy, it's the most sold painting that I do, I'm also an artist, every time I paint Mercy, it sells, it's just anointed, right, because of the revelation that I have about God's mercy, and uh, to save my father, you know, and you know, I really felt like God said, because I love you, I saved your father, you know, you and your household will be saved, that's a promise in the word of God, amen, so you can claim that over your family, that every unbelieving family family member in this room represented is saved in Jesus name because of that word and we hold it up to you today Lord in Jesus name I was so passionate about this mercy God said you know that mercy you talk about said yes Lord here it comes he said well I want you to show that to Cecily your stepmother at the funeral this is going to be the first time I ever saw her and I said okay well, I didn't at first. I said, "What? You want me to be a Christian? What?" Just where the rubber hits the road. Love your enemies. Okay. Well, I had a choice, and so drove up to that funeral, and uh, she was in the front row when I got there, and about had God's mercy, not my own mercy. Had my had God's mercy. See what? See, you're graced to love people. And I walked down the aisle and she was there protected by all her family. And I just went with arms wide open, arms wide open. I walked up like this to her so that she knew I wasn't thre- a threat. And I just hugged her and I held her tight. I wouldn't let her go. Just, I wasn't squeezing her to death. No, <laughs> oh, it was mercy, people, mercy. I hugged her with love and I forgave her in one hug. One hug said it all. I didn't have to open my mouth. I didn't even have to look at her, I just had to love her, forgive her with one hug and she knew she was forgiven on that spot and I'm telling you what, that was a powerful moment because the devil just lost and God won the battle and also I became an heir, a daughter of my father and it's what my earthly father would have wanted, reconciliation. It's also what my heavenly father would have wanted, reconciliation and so I'm going to close but if there's someone that, you know, maybe is tough in your family, just having arms wide open and ears wide open and eyes wide open can change a situation powerfully. The power of forgiveness is such an incredible, incredible tool that us Christians actually possess. We possess it not because of anything we've done, but because we've first been forgiven. We've been forgiven of much. Now, it's our responsibility to love much. You know, one of the greatest things you can do, the greatest acts of love you could ever do for anybody is to carry someone, to bring someone into the presence of God. And so right now, as we bow our heads in prayer, I just wanted to take a moment to ask a really important question because... You know, where I travel around, I know there's lots of Christians in church that actually haven't even received that free gift of grace that I talk about. I know you come to church and it's great, you've been in church for years, some people, but you know what, you've never actually received a free gift of grace that says it's not by what you've done, it's by what Jesus did on the cross that you're saved. And so I wanted to give everybody an opportunity today to make sure you know where you're going you know for sure, you have that assurance. It says that the, the Holy Spirit is our assurance of salvation, that that because of God's great mercy, we can be all saved and know we can go be, be where Gail is right now. You know, not now, but we've got something to do here on earth. But who wants to live on this earth knowing where you're going? It's such an assurance. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to do something courageous and bold and just raise your hand in a minute when I ask you to. But if you're not sure here today that you're saved, you know, maybe you've never received Jesus like the first time that I did 20 years ago, and you need to receive Jesus for the first time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Or maybe you've done that, but you know you need to come back and make a fresh commitment to follow Christ with all your heart today. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand too. You know, if you, you need to come back to be reconciled to God. And you know, you know whether you're reconciled or not. So if you don't know, then I'm talking to you. or maybe you're just not sure about your salvation. You just don't have that assurance I talk about. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand too. So as we bow our heads in prayer, let me, let me just pray. Father God, I pray that you would touch every person here right now, Lord, that you would look into every single heart, Lord, that you would, God, that you would speed up the heartbeat of those people that you need to respond here today. So in Jesus' name, I pray. The Holy Spirit come. If that's you, just raise your hand for me now. Just raise it up high so I can see and pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith. You need to come back to God today. If that's you, just, I see you. Thank you, darling. Thank you, I see you. If that's you, just raise your hand high so that I can see it. Raise it high now so that I can see it. In Jesus' name. I see you, sweetie. Anyone else at all, raise it high. You know what? You don't have to be embarrassed. This is a family, a family of God. We fully love you. Anyone else at all, I'm just waiting a couple of seconds. Anyone, just raise your hand nice and high. I can see it. You need to come back to God or start a fresh relationship in Jesus' name. That's awesome. All right, do you know what we're going to do? That beautiful woman who's got your hand, you can put your hand down. I acknowledge you. I see you. And uh, someone else is going to speak to you at the end of this service. But why don't we all pray this prayer together? Let's pray with this woman together as a family and lead her back into reconciliation. Thank you, Jesus. Say this out loud. Dear Jesus. Come into my heart. I receive you. I receive forgiveness of all my sin, of all my mistakes. I receive a fresh, clean slate because of what you did on the cross. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me your child. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, that's beautiful. Well, church, thank you very much for having me. I'm going to pass back to Pastor Ward, who's got the best laugh in the world. I just want to come to this church to hear him laugh. I love it. Thank you very much. Fantastic.